Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, still from The Next Reel. And we're looking at John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And closing out the week with us is uh, Joe and Andrew Dorowski. Hey, guys. Hello. We made it to Friday. You have made it. We are here looking at Minute 105 right in the scary basement here. On today's show and Minute 105, the minute starts with Ripley, I mean Pepper, <laughs> looking for Jonesy, I mean Obadiah, in the shadows behind the chains. And it ends with Ironmonger bursting out of the parking lot. <laughs> bursting out of the parking uh, lot. Uh, oh, what a sentence, sentence there. Man. <laughs> That's right. This, uh, this opening, uh, I, I think we just, uh, I mean, there's a lot of chains. We're starting <laughs> this minute. so many chains. Why are there so many chains in this basement? And it seems like they're kind of color-coded. Do you notice that? Like, right, we get into, right, 17, 18 seconds when the lights go on, and there are some silver chains, and there are some black chains. Well, and I think the the links are maybe slightly different sizes, too. Like, these are different different grades of chains. And minute yes. three, there's definitely different sizes happening. Or second yeah. three, sorry. At the, at the, you know, three seconds into this minute, there's a whole bunch of different sizes. But then it seems like we get uniform sizes and a different cut i don't know i think i think well i i think some of it is the depth perception some of them are really close to the camera mm. and some of them yeah. are like back behind pepper and so that looks like a okay. necklace chain but it's probably a full on chain she's walked into a bamboo forest of chains <laughs> it's what it, it is what this, this is it a is. chain curtain right. yes this is like a uh, crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Like they, you know, all she needs is a sword, and she could be jumping around on all these chains. There's Swaying so many chains. You know. God, my kingdom for a little Angli in this scene. Um, I this is also I find uh, troublesome because you know we we talked yesterday about where Ironmonger went. <laughs> when he pulled himself off of the the wires. And what we now learn is that he was quite literally hiding in a crouched position like a child. He put on this massive machine of war, this cocoon around which he could wreak havoc and destruction, and he hid like a child in the corner. Why in the corner? Wait, wait. Why did he do that? He hid in the noisiest part possible (laughs) to try and slip into behind the chains, the chain forest. The best place, the best place to hide would have been in the pool, obviously. But apparently, there's no way to get into it. Or he could have stayed wherever he was, (laughs) right? And 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 just held still, right? Yes. (laughs) Just turn on the lights, boo. Because also, apparently, he can close his eyes. <laughs> like he's right. got his eyes closed until Pepper gets closed. He does. They open up. Because she can't see me if I don't see her. Well, and this is exactly what Tony was in the, in the, in when he was hiding in the cave. It's like, where is his chest piece? Why do we not see that here? Mm-hmm. Like all of this stuff is all of a sudden hiding in the dark. It, <laughs> the logic here. It's a little, it's a little baffling, but uh, so last last episode in one of the highlights of my podcasting career, we broke down the Last Supper of Shield agents around the, the Mark One <laughs> armor. Just imagine that exact same scene, but they're around the Ironmonger armor because they don't know anyone's in it. 
They're just standing there right. around there. Right. And when they bow their heads, it comes alive. Yeah. That is a story told with drama uh, and efficiency. Yeah. They look down at the crotch and then boom. <laughs> and, then it, and then it lights up. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to know what's lighting up now. So next, Pepper Pepper has some incredible reflexes and she pivots and runs. In heels. And in heels. And a pencil skirt. And the agents who are not, and they're running, she's in high heels on a grate, right? When yes. she goes up the stairs, that's not good. And then we have, well, we, we have to live with the regret of oh, knowing man. their names. This is, this is that moment. Yes, yeah, so we've got the three agents. They come around the corner. Yeah. We see three agents. We, we, yeah, we know Daryl and Agent Coulson. They crossed, they jumped off from this shot. It would be screen left. They jumped over the barrier and are kind of walking off in the distance somewhere. Now, who we have here, we've got Paul in the front. We've got David in the back. And we've got Keith over there on the... I thought that was Daryl on the right. Because Daryl's down with uh, Coulson. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's that's who we have here, uh, Paul, Keith, and uh, David. Paul is so smug, like the look on his face. Well, is it's so because smug, he knows like... he's going to build an ironmonger in his backyard. He, he saw the he saw the schematics. This is my mm-hmm. weekend. This is my weekend project. <laughs> well, and obviously, I mean, he, he must just be casually holding his gun at the ready anyway, because I mean, he just turns and starts shooting. Like he doesn't. Right. He doesn't ha- have to wait for anything over over Pepper's head. Right. Like he, he like. Crossing fire like that's dangerous. David is the one who gets taken out first. He's the one who steps forward mm-hmm. and just gets smacked across the oh, wall, the room yeah. into the wall. That's no fun. I mean, could he survive that? He could be okay. <laughs> Maybe like in Groundhog Day when the cameraman's looking down, he could be all right. A few broken bones. <laughs> <laughs> it looks rough though because he got hit like on the face. He did. Yeah, it's it's not a good hit. It's really not a good hit. And his hand's obviously broken because, I mean, his hand gets hit first. What you can't hear is that he's screaming, Mom! (laughs) That's the call he never made. He had just called her. She's on the cell phone. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You'll never believe where I am. Uh, and then the other two, and then we have Ironmonger running around the corner, and uh, he in, it looks like he's trying to attack maybe Paul, but what he does is he smashes the Mark One suit, which explodes. Apparently, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, it's full of explosives now. I don't really. But like a very sparky, a very sparky explosive, not a smoky or a fiery explosive. Right. So it wasn't full of fuel. Right. Just uh, firecrackers. It was firecrackers. full of visually interesting explosives but not things that would obscure your your visual impact yes yeah. now i think he i think he gets paul with that yeah i think paul i think paul gets hit right as he's doing that if you watch paul if you go frame by frame with paul and with uh with uh keith, oh, sorry i was talking about keith keith definitely is gone keith, well no keith is the one who's on the right he's the rightmost. i think keith just lies down David is the one who gets hit first. Okay, then Paul. So Keith is probably, I think Keith survives. I think Keith just takes it. He just takes a reverse knee. He backs down and he hides yeah. under a little stair. In in my head canon, he's okay. He jumps off to the right because there's no attack. There's no attack on him. No. I think he goes and he takes Ironmonger's hiding spot behind the chains. <laughs> he just yes. He just backs down that hallway. You, you never. He's not going to think to look where he's just come. What from. we've uncovered here is that Keith is a coward. 
And <laughs> that is going to be an interesting spinoff series. But he's alive. But he's a live coward. Mm-hmm. He's a live coward. Right. Right. But yeah, somehow uh, I don't think so. David and Paul, I think we're counting as out. Yeah. Now, we don't know where Jason is. Jason's our, our first day on the job. Maybe um, maybe he ran oh, before right. uh, everybody else. He's he's MIA. We do know that Daryl and Colson are off down the hallway. So they should be all right. They should be okay. And then we think that maybe Keith is going to be okay. He Unless he got hit by a piece of the Mark I suit, we think that he can make Which it. Which is very possible. It is very possible, yeah. And Pepper manages to make it somehow running <laughs> across that grate. Yeah, in her high heels, with, her high heels. with this thing chasing behind her, blowing everything up. Uh, she makes it through. And this thing chasing behind her at improbable speed for its size. I would say, I like those legs really get a scurry yeah. going at like what, 23 seconds, 24 seconds? Oh, it goes fast. It, it starts scurrying. And that seems weird. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, like he got it's, rushed. It is sped up, right? A little it too feels much. Like it's, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's maybe he's using his like maybe he's got a repulsor uh, like in his back and he's blasting himself down the hallway. I mean, there's so much light behind him. Yeah, but but like the legs move. Yeah, the legs definitely trot. Maybe they're dragging. Maybe they're dragging and bouncing across the ground. It because looks so it silly. Because it kind of looks like he's slamming himself into the wall, like he doesn't know how to stop. Yeah. I don't like think he's, he's trying just... to stop. I think he's just no. trying to run full speed. <laughs> he's trying to run her over. That's fair. But That's like, fair. but like, it looks weird because you get like this kind of scurry little legs. Yeah, it does look like he's scurrying really fast. That is a really fast suit. I think that's the fastest the suit will ever go. We'll have to keep our eye on that to see if he can ever move his feet that fast. And he does it without stopping as he impacts, what, like four or five power breakers? Yes. Yeah, right. A lot of sparks. A lot yeah. of sparks. Like that whole that whole room is sparks at this point. And if any I, of those things touch the water, I mean, who knows what kind of voltage <laughs> we're dealing with. Well, you think, okay, so the, everything is sparking and blowing up in there. He's in a metal suit. <laughs> <laughs> huh. What could go wrong? What could... There's, there's still a couple <laughs> shield agents around. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I got distracted while you guys were analyzing the scurry, which, well done. I, I, I had scrubbed back and I tried to count how many chains were dangling in that spot where <laughs> Ironmonger was, was hiding. And I got to 20 and there's possibly one or two more on the side that get obscured because we see it through his, like, like you see his readouts on the side. So minimum 20 chains hanging, hanging down from the, the, the ceiling there. Now, some of those could be... So, like, two of those could be one chain, and they're linked at the bottom, and it's a hook. Uh, it's like a, 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 not a hook, but a, you know. A pulley kind of. Yeah, pulley. A simple machine. Yeah, something like that. I was gonna, well, I was about to ask, what is the utility of having 20 chains hanging <laughs> in the corner? But maybe you just cracked it right there. <laughs> There's uh, pulleys. <laughs> you know, and now that I'm looking at it again, I think, you know. Pepper runs past some chains on her way to the door, which means some chains get taken out in the scurry. There's some chains halfway down the <laughs> there hallway. There are a lot of chains here. Yeah, that, that, they're, they're lining the hallway. You're right. There are. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why are there so many chains? chains? What set designer accidentally <laughs> ordered too many chains? <laughs> wow. He said have. Wow. 
you know, 10 chains. I put an extra zero. We had 100. We're using them all, guys. Just throw them up. No one will care. Just, just get them up there. Put them all in there. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Before we, uh, before we go any farther, though, I do want to uh, jump back to that shot when we see the point of view shot from, um, from Obadiah as Ironmonger looking at Pepper through the chains. This is the first time we get to see uh, his HUD, which is great. We've talked about um, Iron Man's HUD in the past. And now we have uh, Ironmongers. And I just had this to read. This is um, something that Kent Secchi uh, had said. Kent was involved in uh, in this project. He was the uh, uh, visualization and HUD effects supervisor at Pixel Liberation Front. He said... With the Ironmonger HUD, there was a third iteration of sorts. Obadiah Stane's version would represent the most basic HUD, a military-grade one without any of the UI bells and whistles that Tony would have designed. This was reflected in its most basic one-dimensional space, the intentionally unimaginative choice of okra as its primary typeface. The monochromatic red color is evocative of its intended military usage. We thought of it this way. Obadiah probably stole Tony's underlying tech for the HUD, maybe the operating system, but not the UI that ran it. Once again, reflecting the different characters of Tony Stark and Obadiah Stane. Tony really was the master inventor who would, of course, create an elegant UI to drive the operating system of the HUD. Obadiah would not have the time, patience, or skill to create that UI and would settle for the most basic version. So, plus red equals bad guy. This is a universal truth, right? Always. (laughs) Yep. Yes. So that's a little bit about this HUD, which it's nice. It's getting to see it targeting Pepper. You get kind of the altimeter over on the right. Mm -hmm. So it still has some of the basic stuff we've seen before. But but yes, I think it does look a lot more rudimentary and militaristic. And brooding and hulking. And it's exactly like it's exactly what we need that machine to be. Um, yeah. I, and it, it also, though, I mean, it's like that that first I'm I'm stuck on the, the speedy hop down the hall. <laughs> it's too fast, right? Like it's it is not enough of a counter in our first meeting of it. It's not enough of a counter to Tony. Because Tony's is the one that's the the live quick. It could right? make it through that door. Yeah, it could l- literally walk through the door. Right. Right. Exactly. Even the Mark One suit could have, yeah, right. but, but, but again, I think it fits with Obadiah. You know, bigger, yeah. better, stronger, batter, I mean, and all that sort of stuff. We're saying that, but has Tony's Iron Man armor really shown a propensity to use doors? <laughs> 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 I mean, they're, they're right there. <laughs> there, uh, fair analysis. Point well yeah. taken. Right. <laughs> now we've mentioned it again, but I, I'm gonna ask it one more time. How were they planning to get the Ironmonger out of that building? Chains. Because he just breaks through the he just breaks through the, the parking lot. <laughs> very, very elaborate pulley pulley system. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed there are uh, some chains in the scene. <laughs> just a couple chains. They've got a link to a set of pulleys so that you know you've got like the increase in in power. What you don't know is that in, 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 uh, Avengers Endgame, most of it takes place in this set, and you'll see them. It'll be a callback. You'll love it. It's great. And they'll use a lot of pulleys. A lot of pulleys. Yeah. The, yeah, we, I, I, I'm, 
looking forward to at the very end of this minute, we'll we'll come back to the, the middle part here in a sec, but at the very end of this minute, we do have Ironmonger bursting out of the ground. So at least we know how he's decided to get out. But not how he intended. <laughs> no, not how he intended. <laughs> but I but I I, I I can't wait to see what's on the underside of that. Like, did he burrow through? Like, exactly what is this guy doing with this suit? Yeah, like, what is the tool that he has? <laughs> like, is he just digging with his big hands? I don't know. It's, why didn't he shoot his... Yeah, He's got rockets. I think you can see enough of it. He just, like, kind of pushes his shoulders up, doesn't he? Or, well, a fist comes up and... Yeah, a fist kind of pops out and then he, he just kind of pulls himself out, so rotates the rest of the way maybe he very aggressively used his zen garden rake (laughs) on the ceiling until it was weakened enough that he could just thrust upward and break Mm -hmm. through that's exactly what it was (laughs) oh this goes back to something we talked about yesterday what was pepper looking at up on the ceiling at the uh, up high, yeah, because this minute opens with her looking up, and then she looks yeah. over into the corner where the chains are, where, where Jonesy would be. Yeah, she turns around. So what was she looking at? She's probably looking at the pulley system. She's well, she she's looking at the empty space where the sparking wires okay. were. That's what she had had been oh, looking okay. at. But then she obviously hears something behind her and turns, and now so he went from one side across the room to get behind all the chains very quietly and quickly. What do you think it is that she hears? Is it tinkling chains? Is it a little giggle? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is he whispering her name? Pepper, Pepper. Opie's got really gone crazy if he's like secretly giggling in the corner now. <laughs> oh, so funny. This is where we really get to see the Ironmonger suit in action now as he's kind of doing his little um, fast run down the hallway and everything. Mm-hmm. The Ironmonger... Uh, first appeared as our Obadiah first appeared in the Ironmonger suit in uh, issue 200 of Iron Man on November 10th, 1985. That's when that issue came out. And it was the, the only issue where he donned the suit because then he died at the end of it. Classic villain behavior. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, was, he was in it for like 30 episodes and then he puts the suit on and dies. You think that uh, that would have taught him something. Don't do it. But oh well. What are you going to do? We didn't talk about the mit- the bit in the middle of this minute after Pepper escapes. Oh, we cut to Tony as he's flying over L.A. He's left his house, as we saw in an earlier minute. And he's flying over, uh, talking to Jarvis, analyzing the uh, the strength of this Mark I chess piece to see how uh, how much power it has. Not a lot, as it turns out. And uh, we get some pretty bad CG. This is possibly the worst CG shot of Iron Man in his Delta pose flying over the city. Looks pretty terrible. But they, but it's wonderfully short. <laughs> they do not linger on it. No. Lucky for us. But this is uh, this is also the moment where Tony finally decides to call Pepper. And it does make me ask again, why does it take him until this moment to call Pepper on the phone. He just kept thinking, well, I'll, I'll call her on the way. I'll call her when I'm on the way. <laughs> See, and uh, the way the tension had been built in the previous minutes with their like two minutes wandering through the underground lair, um, I, I, it could have undercut it. But also you could have gotten a good jump out of her phone ringing. Like her and the audience jumping when her phone rings. Right. And it's Tony saying, Pepper. That would have been perfect. 
<laughs> Even if it was a bad connection. Pepper, you gotta. That was like, I'm sorry, I'm under a pool of water. I don't know why. <laughs> I think the chains are getting in the way of the signal. And then she could still walk out and get the phone call once she's outside with good reception. That would have been great. They should have done that. See? We figured out a, a better way to end it. What we do get in this uh, sequence is a fancy HUD. Oh, for uh, Tony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting a nice shot of his Mark III. This is not just red. No, that's very not not red. It's very much the Mark III redesign that he did after his Mark II. So he's he's upped his game as well, and it's uh, it's uh, pretty sweet. Uh, we talked about in uh, when we were first looking at the HUD how they always have an alpha. That was something that they were always trying to focus on. Like, what is the alpha item that uh, that is the focus of kind of whatever. Tony's looking at or what we want the audience to look at. And then that if, if for this particular moment, it's the bit over on the screen left. You kind of see the big circle over there. And first you're getting the suit diagnostics and then the power information. It's nice to kind of just see. And it, it looks, it does look much cleaner and simpler. I Well, simpler. I don't know. Like multiple layers, right? Uh, on yeah. that, that axis. Like we get m- many more sort of layers in the palette. And I don't know. Like, we've talked in the past about how, you know, sometimes when he's bringing up information in the HUD, it looks like he's, like, reading PDFs. There is, on screen right, he is looking at what looks like a stream of just text that is, I don't know, impossibly small. (laughs) What's going on? What's what is he reading there? It looks like just a string of Unix commands. Like, that's what it feels like it should be. Yeah. To me, what is he reading? Tony, stop. That's yeah. As as I look at that, I'm like, well, I mean, okay. So you got to imagine we're looking at it from like, you know, the masks perspective almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's looking at it like, like you're looking at, I don't know, something in front of your face, I guess. I, yeah, it's awfully tiny. But here's my tiny. problem with it. It's right in front of his left eye. Like his field of vision is way off and he can't turn his head. His whole the whole thing moves, you know? Right. Oh, I just held up my phone that close to try and read. No, no, no. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> no. It, yeah, there, there's not a lot of logic to to it, but it looks cool. And that's yeah. what it, that's what matters. We don't care. <laughs> It is a great visualization of, uh, you know, just for making Iron Man in transit to somewhere be interesting. That was a great solution. Yeah. Yeah. Giving some way to visualize because they've done different things in the comics and and you can't use the things that they've done in the comics because it wouldn't work. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think that the the HUD, the way that they've been designing it, and I'm actually looking forward to this now as we go into Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, all the different movies, and look at wh- how they have continued to kind of evolve this over time. It's going to be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, and I think uh, when you get to Avengers, there's a, a really cool element where he's in one mode, and then the attack starts, and it switches to like a combat mode. Like the HUD disengages yeah. and rotates into like a targeting mode or or a more combat right. focused yeah. mode. And I think that's a really cool effect. Which I guess is something that he's finally uh, resolved as far as his decision to stop manufacturing weapons. He's like, you know what? Weapons mode is okay. <laughs> Which I never super tracked because like he has the tank missile. Right. On this thing. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, right. For, for no weapons, you sure have a lot of 
weapons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 difficult to uh, to stop being a warmonger when you're still blowing up all of your old war machines with war machines. Tony's Tony's <laughs> greatest nemesis, the double standard. Mm. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Well, guys, um, we're kind of at the end of the week. Um, we like to ask people uh, about their kind of experiences with this movie and with Marvel and comics and all that sort of stuff. Where where did you guys uh, get started with Marvel and comics and uh, and this Iron Man film? What are your stories? So my interest in comics, which ended up being an interest in Marvel comics, uh, started because as a child at a grocery store when I was like seven or eight, my mom let me grab one off a spinner rack when they still had them in grocery stores to keep me quiet while she went shopping. And she did not know <laughs> what she was starting <laughs> with that decision. Uh, and I grabbed an X-Men comic. I remember uh, it was one that had the words Pyrrhic Victory on uh, the front of it, which I was like seven or eight. I had no idea what that meant, but I was interested in it. And uh, from there, I started collecting comics. And so did several of my brothers, Andrew included. Uh, got Andrew's the youngest in our family, so he got swept along <laughs> with some of our interests, as often happens. <laughs> swept or dragged? Uh, I, I'll let him speak for himself. Uh, I chose. I chose after a certain point. <laughs> I'll tell the story. I have agency. Hey, wait. <laughs> yes. um, and so all through my adolescence and teenage years, I was reading comics. I kind of stopped in college for a little while, just as I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then I wrote a paper on Spider-Man in an English course. And the professor said, I kind of liked that. And uh, I was applying for a master's just because I didn't know what to do next. And he said, if you wanted to study superheroes for your master's, uh, I'd like to chair your committee. I had no idea what I was doing. I just had someone offer to chair a committee. So I was like, sure, that is what I plan to do. And <laughs> then <laughs> nice. I was finishing my master's. So I was getting back into comics for that research stuff. And I was finishing my master's. And I, again, didn't know what I wanted to do with life. So I applied to some PhD programs. And I got into Michigan State, which has a very strong um, popular culture studies uh, emphasis uh, in some of their programs. Uh, and so they welcomed someone looking at superheroes. And that's where I ended up writing about race and gender in the X-Men um, comic books there. And so that grocery store trip when my mom let me grab an X-Men comic kind of accidentally led to my career studying popular culture and <laughs> superheroes. And so I was very excited when Marvel, like I was following all the business sides of Marvel and everything, and I, and I was in grad school when uh, they announced they were doing their their movie studios, and when Iron Man came out, I was in grad school, and um, I remember seeing it and saying, "Oh, they got they got this really right. <laughs> like they they needed to hit a home run because of all the business deals that were in place, and they did uh, with with Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And I remember all like the the questions about Robert Downey Jr. and everything, and just being so curious and like looking for any snippets of information." And really happy with what came out. And I also remember when it came out on DVD, I had gone and bought it the day it came out. I bought it that morning. And then um, I was TAing a class on superheroes in American culture. And I showed the professor that I'd picked up Iron Man that morning. And he said, oh, let's scrap the lecture and just show the movie. <laughs> and we did. We showed Iron that's Man great. for for the uh, <laughs> class discussion that day. That's so great. God, that's awesome. I want more classes like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it very much fit. The class was on superheroes in American culture. So it, uh, it, yeah, it was oh, very, yeah, it, it wasn't a stretch to tie it in to <laughs> the topics we had covered so far. <laughs> uh, so cool. How about you, Andrew? Yeah. So Joseph is uh, around 10 years older than me. 
And so by the time he was picking that up, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> by the time he was he was starting to read X-Men. Um, but when I was around, um, Saturday morning cartoons were my, my first introduction to, to everything. The X-Men cartoon and then the occasional and short-lived Iron Man cartoon. I, I remember some of because the armor stuff was cool. And Joseph was was influential in in introducing all of that stuff. He, you know, taught me how to turn on the TV for Saturday mornings. <laughs> I thought that just comes naturally to children, right? That's an important first <laughs> yeah. step. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he and and one of our other brothers, John, was the other big uh, collector, um, when they had extras, I got some some cast offs. And then I, I think it was probably when I was around 10 or 11 or 12 is when I, I like really said, okay, like, I really like this stuff. How do I, like, I haven't read comics. How do I read comics? And I went to Joseph and he gave me some binders full of, um, of, of comics. You know, he gave me long runs of, I think, Generation X and Exiles. Um, at some point I read a, an extended Daredevil run. And so I started borrowing things from, from Joseph and John. Uh, Sorry, I call him Joseph. Everyone else calls him Joe. It's a weird family <laughs> thing. <laughs> and so that's when I started really getting into comics. And and at like 14 or 15, when I started having, you know, a mild discretionary income, I started buying things at Borders. Um, I miss Borders because they had a great collection. I just crossed myself when you said that. <laughs> ah, bookstores. That was They the had day. such a good... Um, comic book collection and so i i bought a, a lot of my initial collections uh at, at borders and then started getting into the comic book shop and so i was um just finishing up high school when iron man came out and it was um you know it was it was the big deal is what everyone wanted to talk about and what was going to happen and i was really into reading stuff on the websites and Following in the footsteps of Joseph and John, I was writing all my English papers on comic books. Nice. <laughs> and and so that's kind of where I was. Um, I don't remember, you know, specifically like going to see it or who I was with or anything like that. But I remember it being like good, like notably good um, and being different from the Spider-Man and the X-Men. You know, we had a, a, a foundation of comic book and superhero movies to go on and and to say it's like oh this one's really good and iron man did not really have a lot of traction <laughs> beforehand you know yeah right and and knowing that it went well with all my friends i was like hey this is like really gonna be something and that that was energizing and exciting to to see that prospect I think what you're, what something that's really interesting about what Andrew's saying is like yes we had obviously Superman films going back decades and Batman films going back decades and in the early 2000s you had Spider Man and X Men so there were like the the language of superhero films was being established but I think Iron Man I just and now in this may be hindsight bias where we're looking back and seeing it but I think even in the moment you felt this was a paradigm shift for how these kinds of summer blockbusters were going to be done, how, how the superhero blockbuster was going to be. And, and some of that may be hindsight bias, but I, I, I think I remember feeling that then that, oh, this is even, you know, so, something more than what came before. Yeah, it was the same year as The Dark Knight, right? Those were both 2008. Yeah. 
And so getting that one-two punch of like these two specific, really good, really well-received, really high-earning comic book movies and superhero movies that everyone was jazzed about. And, you know, all of my high school friends saw both of those movies. And that was that was pretty different from, you know, being in junior high and seeing Spider-Man. And that was like it was like 50 50. Yeah, fantastic for fewer friends. <laughs> yeah. And and X-Men, like maybe. But when, you know, Dark Knight and Iron Man came out, everyone saw both of those. And that was really different, especially for Iron Man, because it's one thing for everyone to see a Batman movie. Everyone knows Batman. Everyone, you know, has name recognition on Batman. But like Iron Man had not had a stable TV series. Iron Man did not have a lot of merch going around like Spider-Man did. So everyone going to see an Iron Man movie was like pretty, pretty cool. And then I remember reading articles that were saying things, you know, hey, movies last year. Pretty good. And by the way, Iron Man way better than it needed to be. Yeah. Like this is, you know, this is a different kind of thing. Like it didn't need to be this good. Robert Downey Jr. didn't need to resonate this much for it to be a baseline successful superhero movie. But it did need to work like that for the shift that it that it was starting in superhero films and the Marvel films. And what a giant uh, list of films that it has uh, has birthed. So it's uh, it's exciting to see. Can you guys um, uh, rank your films as far as your favorites of the uh, of the films of the MCU? We're <laughs> so at- not not actually ranking all twenty. Just just giving us the top. <laughs> As many as you think you can, but yeah, that's a it's a big ask to do all twenty one so far. But uh, top five, can you do top five? I've done that thing online where you can like say, okay, which you know between these two, and it sorts it for you. You can mm-hmm. you do that like Flip eighty chart. times, and Flip it'll chart. sort them. Um, I've done that a couple different times, and I know it's come out pretty close to what I want it to be. I know the Captain America movies are all three near my top. I don't know if all three would make it in the top five. But Winter Soldier definitely would. Okay. Um, Black Panther is up there for me. And I think both Guardians of the Galaxy would be pretty high up there for me. I was a big fan of the Guardians comics um, in in okay. the early 2000s when they had their resurgence. Um, and so those hit well for me. I'm having trouble thinking through everything now. <laughs> there's, there's a lot there. Infinity War is is still pretty fresh on my mind. And, and so that one is is a strong contender. Well, there's three Iron Mans, three Captain Americas, three Thors, uh, three Avengers, two Guardians, two Ant Mans, and then there's then there's Hulk, Doctor Strange, uh, Captain Marvel, and Black Panther. Yeah, I mean, there's very few that I would actively like not want to put on. Yeah. Um. So most of them, I you know, are good and and like they're all watchable, and and they they're all enjoyable. I and I just saw Captain Marvel and I really enjoyed that and I I look forward to seeing Captain Marvel again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what she does. Oh, in think yeah. she's going to show up. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting theory. <laughs> if only there were some sort of scene in the credits that may have indicated such. Yes, in both credits. Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, the trailer. I mean, it's. I, yeah. I guess it's out there. And by the time this is released, everybody knows anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I tend to like, 
when people ask me like to rank things, I'm like, I usually just say there's top tier films or books or TV shows that are just like, this is pretty perfect. And I don't have a whole lot of nits to pick. Then there's the good stuff. Then there's stuff that's pretty wibbly wobbly. And then there's the bad stuff at the bottom. I'd say most Marvel films are in those top two tiers um, across the board. Uh, my favorites are probably uh, Winter Soldier, Black Panther, the... Uh, the first Avengers has a special place because they put it all together <laughs> in a way that that there wasn't great certainty right, yeah. that this these tones were going to match that well. So I, I, I now Joseph, yeah, real quick, you say that, but have you watched it recently? I haven't seen it for a couple of years because in preparation for the upcoming Endgame, my wife and I have been watching several of the movies, not all of them, but we watched the first Avengers movie. Did not hold up as well as I was oh, expecting. Okay. Well, I may need to revisit it. And and Age of Ultron held up much better than I was expecting. Oh, okay. Those those two mm. um, switched a bit for me. Well, I mean, if only someone was going to go through and really dissect them, we could. <laughs> um, uh, the first Iron Man is also one of my favorites. Uh, the one that we've been talking about here. It. Uh, just hits all the notes for an origin story really well. And Robert Downey Jr.'s performance as Iron Man, it's one of those performances where once you see it, it's kind of like, well, why hasn't this character been in my life this whole time? <laughs> like, uh, you just immediately <laughs> right. feel like there was a void you didn't know that you needed filled that has now been filled. And I don't think those kinds of characters and performer matches happen all that often. But when it does happen, it's it's pretty special. So that's definitely up there. Those are, it's, it's so hard. And I feel like for me, it shifts all the time. Like I always feel like, oh, maybe this is higher yeah. now, you know? And like, I, I wasn't as big a fan of the winter soldier initially, but now it's like way up toward the top there. Iron Man, Iron Man's been consistently way up toward the top that and guardians of the galaxy, I think are, are way up there for me. But other than that, I feel like it's always changing, you know, Dr. Strange is way up there. I think that one is such a really interesting one. And I love the way that it ends. I mean, it's a really, really smart film. So Ah, lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, you guys have a fun decade ahead of you. <laughs> Analyzing. <laughs> Two decades Two. if we're doing one a year. <laughs> right. We're not going to be able to do it at their speed. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, this will take us into retirement. <laughs> we're, we're, we'll be passing it off to our children at some point. So they I can should let them the, know. Well, much like yeah, right. the MCU itself, passing the baton. Exactly. <laughs> They're passing the torch. Exactly. Uh, well, guys, thanks so much for joining us all week. It was uh, great chatting with you about uh, these minutes of Iron Man. It was oh, so great to have you guys both on the show. Yeah, lots of lots of good stuff. Lots of horror, lots of comedy all over the place. Lots of Zen uh, meditation and in uh, underground uh, uh, gardens, Zen gardens. <laughs> well, and thank you guys for doing this bold undertaking. <laughs> some say it bold others say crazy but yes here we are <laughs> it's gonna be fun uh well do you guys want to uh give us your plugs uh one last time this week uh, yeah i'll just give one final pitch for the protagonist podcast which andrew helps out on uh as as a producer and helps to to get guests and do all the audio work where uh over there on the protagonist podcast each week we talk about a great character in a great story and uh, you can find that at duelinggenre.com or just do a search in most pod catching apps and you'll be able to find it. Also at, at Dueling Genre and uh, on various podcast apps, you can find Disney Animation Minute Essentials, uh, which is like this, uh, a Movies by Minutes podcast that I do with my wife. And we cover uh, Disney animated films one minute at a time. Fantastic. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, that's it, everybody, for today's show. Pete, 
Thanks. Thanks for uh, being here all week and uh, joining us. These were, the, it's just a great set of minutes. The the reveals, the chains, I, I wouldn't have missed it. <laughs> so many oh, chains. So many chains. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so many shield agents, but now a few fewer. <laughs> well, uh, so, yeah, not, not as many. So, much, so many fewer. Not as many. Where are they? I can't wait to find out. All right, everybody. Well, that is it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at thenextreel.com slash Patreon. Until next time, true believers. True believers.